helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. The process is the punishment. The idea that you don't need to win, you can punish somebody by simply putting them through the pain and cost of defending themselves. Whether done by government actors or activists, there are plenty of people who have learned to use the system to punish their enemies. You cannot prevent others from being evil, but you can learn how not to be defenseless before them. I believe it starts when we recognize that, more often than not, those who use the process to punish their opponents do so because they have lost the argument. The next step is to recognize when others are being punished and stand up to them. Remember, alone you are a target. Together, well, together we're a force to be reckoned with. Well, hello there, everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. I'm so glad you could join me today. I do have a bit of an announcement before we get started. The revamped website, I'm trying to get ready for September 1st. So whether you've been to the the website, constitutionstudy.com before or not, please, September 1st or 2nd, take a look. I've revamped the entire thing. And I'm hoping it's what people will like and they're looking for. There's there's more news on it. It's, it's, it's more of a newsletter. It's not simply my post. By the way, it is another place where I'll be posting the uh, the radio program will be posted there. The uh, My interviews will be posted. It's a great site. There's also going to be new sections for the Patriots program. Uh, I'm working on a membership opportunity. There's a lot of stuff there. But it's still the best place to go to ask a question. So if you want to ask a question of me and you'd like me to answer it here on the radio, best place to go is constitutionstudy.com and just click that ask a question button. And then, uh, you know, you can fill out the form, click, check the box that says you want me to, uh, to answer on the radio. I will do my best to do so. So with that, let's take a look of some examples of the process being the punishment. I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, the Biden administration is suing SpaceX. Now, it's it's not the fact that the Biden administration is suing SpaceX. It's why the Biden administration is suing SpaceX. See, according to uh, Kristen Clark, the assistant attorney general of the DOJ Civil Rights Division, she said, our investigation found that SpaceX failed to fairly consider or hire uh, asylees and refugees because of their citizenship status and imposed what amounted to a ban on their hire, regardless of their qualifications, in violation of uh, was it federal law. I want to stop and unfold this for a minute, because understand what's happening here. See, SpaceX hired only U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Now, the lawsuit says, well, that's a violation of federal law. Now, SpaceX, I haven't seen yet a comment that they've made, but there was an an interesting statement made by Mr. Musk back in 2020. You see, um, according, he says that U.S. law requires at least a green card to be hired at SpaceX as rockets are considered advanced weapons and technology. 
So in other words, we have a uh, conflict of laws. In other words, and again, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an attorney. I haven't paid any. I haven't looked at this. But um, according to Mr. Musk, in order to comply with the international traffic and arms regulations, which governs companies like SpaceX that manufacture things like rockets, the in order to work at SpaceX, you have to have a green card. Now, here's where we get to the the process being the punishment. Um, let's just say that Mr. Musk is not uh, uh, well. He's not exactly persona non grata in this administration, but he certainly isn't on the special invitation list. I'm not going to get into the political reasons why, but you know, between his purchase of Twitter and and Tesla and his you know creation of Tesla and SpaceX, uh, he's he's a competition there. And, and well, the, you know, the government doesn't really like it, even though the government, as I understand, it, does have several contracts with SpaceX. But you notice what you have here. It is a um, we want people to come into this country. The, there's the administration, I should say, wants. People to come into this country, they have demonstrated by their actions, they're not interested in U.S. law uh, unless it's to their own agenda. So, granted, the, the, the lawsuit claims asylees and, and refugees, people that are here, they're here legally. But again, it's, it should be, a, you know, to me, a fairly simple question to say, um, DOJ, uh, excuse me, uh, SpaceX, can we talk to Mr. Musk or, or maybe maybe a couple of attorneys? Um, why is it you aren't hiring asylees and refugees? And if their answer was something like, uh, well, you see, federal law, we build rockets here. They're considered advanced technology. And under the international traffic and harms regulations, you have to have at least a green card in order to work here by federal law. But we don't do that. We just go right to uh, let's sue. And, uh, well, I, again, I don't know the, the reason why. I don't know if it's trying to, to tarnish Mr. Musk with a, a, a racist label or something like that, or if it truly just is bureaucratic incompetence. You know, I, you know what's the old saying? When you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras. Maybe the simplest ex explanation is a, a, an incompetent government bureaucracy. That would certainly be well within the realm of possibility. But, uh, and I'm curious, is you know, Mr. Musk going to have to go through the time and expense of defending himself from a lawsuit because the federal government couldn't bother asking him a question or they just didn't like the answer? I don't know. Uh, what I do think is that the, if Mr. Musk is correct, if federal law bans him from uh, or requires him to only hire people with a green card or citizenship, then uh, unless they get a special dispensation, um, then I think he should sue the federal government. And in fact, I think he should sue uh, not just the federal government. I think it should actually sue the you know Biden personally and uh, whoever this is at the, the at the Department of Administration. This Kirsten Clark saying. Um, this is malicious persecution, this is malicious prosecution. If you didn't do the due diligence before, if you didn't conduct an investigation before and due diligence and say, um, yeah, you know, okay, we like him to hire immigrants, but SpaceX um, has a special restriction that the Congress has put on them. This apparently wasn't must simply making it up out of thin air. This is federal law. So I, I want to see where this goes.
But there's another example, and this one, um, uh, well, well, probably not as widely known nationally, is really rather disgusting in my in my viewpoint. And this one comes out of the empire. Yep, my old stomping grounds, the Empire State, uh, and the Attorney General uh, Letitia James, and the uh, Department of Educa Education Department Commissioner Betty Rosa. And they sent one of these infamous Dear Colleagues letter. Uh, now understand, a Dear Colleagues letter generally is, um, you know, a, a warning that you're going to do what you want or we're going to, you know, beat you up or do something else mean to it. They've been used to bully and intimidate uh, different organizations and schools for quite a while. Now, this particular Dear Colleague letter is meant to remind schools that uh, under state law, they have an affirmative duty to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, under, it was two state, actually state policies, the Dignity for All Students Act uh, and the Board of Regents DEI policy require schools to promote uh, DEI. And, you know, the, 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 or DIE, to promote this idea of uh, it's racism over, and classism over everything else. Now, that's bad enough. I expect that from the, the communist state of um, uh, uh, of New York. I mean, it's, it's kind of there been their modus operandi. Uh, we'll just shove it down your throat. But as they were looking at ways, as they, they were giving uh, schools a list um, of things that, that might run afoul of the Dignity Act, uh, things like banning books that highlight the diverse histories and perspectives of black people. Okay, I don't see that as being a problem. I don't want to ban a book. But uh, the next one was interesting. Using a pretext of inappropriateness or lewdness to systematically remove diverse perspectives from the classroom. Now, let me ask you, what, what diverse perspectives would be considered lewd? Uh, maybe the, the promotion of sex to children as young as five? Would it would it be the um, the the promotion of ideas that uh, you know boys and girls room would that be considered a a pretext of lewdness? Um, how about this one? Prohibiting discussions relating to lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, non-binary, binary, gay, ex gender expansive peoples, or diverse family structures and identities using a pretext of inappropriateness or obscenity. Notice it wasn't even saying okay if you're going to prohibit this you can't, you can't use a pre as a pretext well it's obscene so you're telling me that if there's a a book or a discussion that is obscene in nature you can't use it you can't say you can't not use that because it is obscene because it is age inappropriate I am so glad when we lived in New York my daughter didn't go to public school. Just think of this. You have now the state uh, attorney general, the chief law enforcement officer of the state. You have the head of their commission of education and a president of the University of the State of New York that's telling schools, listen, you're going to cram this crap down children's throat. We don't care what the parents say. We don't care what you say. If it's lewd, if it's offensive, if it's uh, uh, indiscreet, if it's obscene, we don't care. You're going to cram this stuff down children's throat because we say so. 
if there is a better example of why we should the, the, the state the governments must be removed from the education system this has got to be up there it's got to be near the top you're telling parents that that their children have to be indoctrinated with lewd and obscene material because the state says so and this dear colleague letter is the process here we go. We're going to send you a letter. You're going to do this. You're going to indoctrinate your, your, the children in your school with this garbage because we say so. And if you don't, we will use our ability to sue you or, or, or otherwise harass you in court in order to get our way. Now, listen, courts have a very specific purpose. Their job is to decide controversies or matters of guilt and criminal offenses. That's their purpose. To sit here and say, now again, part of the problem is I'm not familiar with the details of this was a dignity for all actor or New York state law. But if that's the case, look at the, the, the law that was created by the representatives of the people, right? Uh, that that they, the, there needs to be an awareness and a sensitivity to the relations of people, including different races, weights, national origins, ethnic groups, religion, religious practices mental or physical abilities, sexual orientations, gender identities, and sexes. So based on that, on the, on the need to be aware and, again, sensitive to not be beating up children based on these attributes, they're now being told, you must include lewd and obscene information because we're, if you don't, we're going to contend, we're gonna contend that, that that's an, uh, a being insensitive to what? To, the gen to sexual orientation? Whether it's, uh, whether it's heterosexual, homosexual, or Lord knows what sexual, if it's lewd, if it's obscene, why should that not be removed from schools? Because as a society, we've allowed the, the racists and the perverts to set the policies, and we haven't stood up to say, no, this is wrong. Now, again, I'm not sure the details of New York State education law, but based on the Dear Colleague letter, how does the the uh, how does obscenity be trumped by racial identities by sexual orientation because the perverts are in charge and the question i have for the empire you citizens of the empire you voted for these people what are you going to do to fix it are you going to remove letitia james are you going to remove betty rosa are you going to contact them and say, how dare you tell our school districts they must include obscene and lewd information in order to deal with your social agenda? Or are you going to sit there back and mo tisk tisk and, oh, no, what are we going to do? Because that's how they got this far. That's how they've gotten away with it so far is by using, pushing this envelope, knowing that the people will rarely push back. And since the people won't push back, they've really got no reason to stop, do they? I mean, that's the uh, th that's ultimately is the point, isn't it? I mean, if they can punish school districts with the threat of a lawsuit for actually removing lewd and obscene material from the school, stopping lewd and obscene discussions, it's any different than the Biden administration suing SpaceX for apparently following laws that Congress made, but this administration isn't really happy with at the moment? I mean, ultimately, what we're talking about is the destruction of the rule of law. 
Laws don't matter anymore because they're going to use a legal system. I, I love it. You know, we used to have courts of justice. Then we had oh, courts of law. Now we have courts of opinion, bullying, and intimidation. And that's not the land of the free. That's the land of whoever has the biggest uh, biggest mouthpiece rules, and everyone else is subject to it. Now, I have to, to pause for a break. Uh, I've already told you about the changes to the website, constitutionstudy.com, and I hope you'll check them out. But I also hope you'll check out many of the supporters here at uh, America Out Loud. Well, for example, Healthy Cell. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have a hard time getting to sleep, especially when I'm on the road. Now, if I want to fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply so I can wake up refreshed, I use Healthy Cell's REM sleep supplement. It is the only sleep supplement designed to support all four stages of sleep, and it comes in an easy-to-use, travel-ready gel pack. I just throw them in my bag before I leave. When I'm on the road, I take them before I go to bed. Now, if you want to find out how to save 25% on your first order, well, check out the instructions. Go to americaoutloud.shop and click on the Healthy Cell card. All the instructions are there. Basically, just go to healthycell.com, put your card together, try REM Sleep or any of their great products, but use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. That's the important part. See, when you use that code, it lets Healthy Cell know that you listen to America Out Loud. And as a thank you, they're going to give you 25% off your first order. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. The pandemic may be over for some. But millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. 
The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study. Today we're talking about the exercise of power, the, the process being the punishment, and the examples of it, and then what we can do about it. That's what I want to talk about. Now, one of the examples of the raw exercise of power, of using the process as the punishment, well, it has to come up around the gun industry. I remember when Congress passed the Lawful Commerce and Arms Act. And they did so because states and cities were suing gun manufacturers, not because their guns were defective, not because there was a problem with the gun, no, but because some person used the gun in an illegal manner. And the, the by the way, this never went away. There have been, uh, you know, first it was, it was read as, you know, giving a, a blank check to gun to, to the gun manufacturers, to giving them immunity, which is really funny because the, the Congress gave immunity to vaccine manufacturers, but they only said, listen, as long as the gun was not defective, you cannot sue a gun manufacturer. Unless you can show they broke a law, you can't simply sue them for something that somebody else did with their gun. And of course, the logic, the reason behind it, you think about it, nobody sues Ford when uh, a drunk driver has an accident. God forbid, kills someone. You don't sue Ford. You don't sue the the dealership where the person bought the, the, the car. You don't sue the gas station where the guy put gas in the car that he used to drive there. It's only guns. And that's because of what I believe is called hoplophobia, the irrational fear of guns. And this has been, again, this has been going on and on. And part of it, I understand. So there's there's a, a, a organized, I believe, organized attempt to destroy the gun manufacturing industry because if they don't make guns, people can't buy guns, then you can get rid of the guns, which then only government has guns. And well, that never worked out bad, did it? But there are some people who just, in their pain and anguish, want to lash out at somebody. And, well, let's face it, you're going to want to go for the people with the deepest pockets. This, I believe, is an example of what's going on today in, uh, in New York. Anybody remember the, the mass shooting in Buffalo back in 22? You know, the, 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 there, was a, there was, again, it was a, some guy went nuts and, and committed mass murder. And uh, he walked into a, a supermarket and started shooting the place up. And you know, people died, and I I feel for their families. I do. I, I understand the pain, and I understand the the um, the desire for, to do something so it never happens again. There's no way you can compensate someone for the loss of a loved one, a family member, a friend. You cannot. But we want something. We want some sort of justice. Well, Wayne Jones is the son of one of the victims. And um, apparently he's filed a lawsuit against um, YouTube. Actually, it's, it's Alphabet Google and you know, the subsidiary YouTube, as well as Reddit. Now, why is he suing? What is he charging? What is he claiming is the grievance he has against these companies related to uh, his, his, uh, his mother's death? 
And from what I found in the lawsuit, he claims that the, the, the murderers near constant use of platforms like YouTube and Reddit, um, well, that they fed him an unlimited supply of harmful, radicalizing content that shaped his extremist beliefs. Now, the lawsuit also includes the the gun shop where the the murderer allegedly purchased body armor and another one where he purchased his AR-15. Again, Again, legal products legally owned and in many cases legally used by, by a lot of people. It's also alleged that uh, he used Reddit threads and YouTube tutorials to learn how to operate the firearm and, and, and the tactical gear. And because he got this information about how to safely use a firearm and uh, against some, some uh, body armor, the, the son here claims it was negligent. It, it was negligent to give information about a legally owned product to sell a legally owned product, to give information about... Now, here comes into the question of what, what he referred to as uh, what the extremeful and harmful, extreme and harmful content that, that it helped it promote his, his desire based on, on reading this. Um, this is a, a, a question of basic freedom of speech. Yes, with freedom of speech, you can say absolutely awful things. That doesn't make it a crime. Because the one thing we forget is one person's harmful speech is another person's helpful speech. Give an example. Um, oh, what was the guy? I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, there was a, a, a church shooting down in Texas, and uh, a neighbor heard the shooting, came out, and um, shot the attacker, shot the murderer with an AR 15. Now, what's interesting is nobody is talking about suing the gun company, the gun manufacturer. Uh, the, you know, this guy, did he watch YouTube videos or, or do other searches to find out maybe how to clean, operate, maintain his, his, his AR? No one's suing him because of that. What's the difference between the YouTube video that's watched by the person who uses the gun to save a life and the YouTube video that's used by the guy who takes a life? The answer is nothing. The difference is not the video. The difference is the person co committing the action. But again, in, in, and again, I don't know the, the, the son here. I don't know his political background. I don't know about his feeling about guns before the event. I don't know. I'd be willing to give him the benefit of the doubt in that in the pain over the loss of his mother, he's looking to strike out at someone. He wants someone to pay, and apparently he's not getting money out of the shooter, out of the murderer. And uh, so he's looking for someone to sue. And whether he's doing it because he wants a payday or not, I don't know. As I said, I'm willing to generally give him the benefit of the doubt to say, this is a an emotional reaction to a painful situation without a lot of logic and reason behind it. But then again, these companies, including not just the big boys, not just YouTube and Reddit, but these small businesses that have been swept up in this, they have to pay to defend themselves against this irrational lawsuit. Because unless they can show that somehow YouTube, Reddit or these gun stores 
participated, encouraged, did something to specifically encourage this action. The suit has no merit, but they still have to defend against it. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the classic example of the process being the punishment. Let's say, let's say the suit goes forward, and uh, while all this is happening, of course, you know, Alphabet and, and Reddit, they've got teams of lawyers that, that are already on retainer that are working this. That means that the gun, the, you know, these, these two gun shops, they're going to have to hire attorneys. They're going to have to pay for attorneys. They're going to have to take, probably take time off of work to, you know, from the, for their, the running the, the shop in order to take care of the legal. There's going to be a lot of effort and a lot of expense. And if, and hopefully when, they are found uh, to, to have not been a contributing factor to this, um, after all that, where do they go to get their money back? Where do they go? Do they now sue this man saying, you know, this was a this is malicious lawsuit um, and we want our our legal fees back? It's one of the reasons why uh, I, I'm I, I like the idea generally of loser pays. And the idea is in a case like this, whichever side loses pays the, the legal fees of the other side. So in this case, if the if alphabet and and all that, if they lose, they in a part of their their penalty is to pay the law is to pay the um the legal bills of the son and vice versa, right? If, 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 if Google and Reddit and um, these two done companies, if they're found to be, to, to have not contributed to this, that the, they're found, uh, it's found for them, then the son should pay their legal fees. I'm, I say in general, because I, I, on the one hand, I don't want someone who's truly been wronged to not have a chance to redress their grievance simply because the um, they couldn't afford the bills if they lose. On the other hand, I, I don't want them to use that power to simply abuse other people, whether it's the local gun stores or the the cities and the states and the the activist groups that are suing gun manufacturers. These nuisance lawsuits. And, and you know, claiming that that their their advertising was was bad or whatever, as an attempt to destroy them, and I think that's the hardest balancing act is to look at it and say, is how do we determine if this lawsuit had merit or if it was simply malicious? And sadly, that's not an easy answer to come up with. One where there is an easy answer is when the federal government tries to infringe on your right to keep and bear arms. They've been pushing for this "quote unquote" ghost gun ban, and uh, again, ghost gun—it's a made-up term meant to scare people. Oh, it's a ghost gun. It's going to come out and 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 bite you. It's spooky. It's not. And it comes with. There's actually a little bit of data behind this. So again, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives, known as ATF—they've uh, been pushing hard to make privately made firearms, these so-called ghost guns, to be uh, regulated. They, the government needs to be in charge of a gun that you manufacture. Now, under current law, you can make a gun and use it for your own purposes. If you do not sell that gun, it doesn't need to be serialized. It is your private property. 
But again, the government doesn't know about it, which scares the pants off of the tyrants. So they've said, we've got to, we've got to tightly regulate because these are dangerous. There's just one itty-bitty tiny little problem with that. You see, the, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms has to make it up. They have the, 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 the danger of these, they literally have to make up. According to a spokesperson uh, for the ATF, she, uh, she said, it is probably that is probable that current trace data significantly underrepresents the number of PFMs or personally made, privately made firearms recovered at crimes by law enforcement agencies due to a variety of challenges represented by PFMs. Really? In other words, we have no data that shows that these are being used in crimes in any significant numbers, so we have to assume that they're underrepresented because, well, we have to have um, we have to have an excuse to regulate them, to, to infringe on your right to keep and bear arms. So when the data shows that these are not a problem in, in, in gun violence, well, they have to make it up. And right now, they're, they're actually being sued. Uh, an attorney with the Mountain States Legal Foundation is suing the, the federal government over what they, what's called its frame or receiver rule. The idea being, you know, oh, they want to take a frame, a portion of a firearm that is, again, it, it can be built into a firearm, and they want that suddenly treated as a firearm because they want control over it. Now, here's the problem. See, this rule is not made by Congress. This isn't a law made by Congress. This is a bureaucrat. There's a group of bureaucrats making up the rules. And in fact, under the Justice Department's own fact sheet, they are redefining the term firearm, frame, or receiver. They want to do that in order to make them, uh, uh, again, partially to make them see, seem that uh, uh, they're more dangerous than they really are. Uh, that they're being used by criminals. Trust me, I don't think a criminal is going to buy an 80% lower and build himself a gun. He's not going to buy a frame. He's going to buy a cheap gun illegally off the street. That's what the evidence shows. But, we're, you know, since when have facts and data gotten in the way? Now, again, according to ATF, the, the number of, of personally made or privately made firearms reported reported by law enforcement agencies has increased tremendously, over a thousand percent. But again, I want to see the numbers. I want to see how they're coming up with those numbers. But I also have a serious question. Why is it the firearm that's the problem and not the person wielding the firearm? I believe there's two reasons. One is is metaphysical. Right? Are we responsible for our actions or is it the inanimate object that's responsible for our actions? The other is pure political. Tyrants don't like an armed citizenry. And if they can't simply outlaw the guns, they've tried repeatedly, then let's make the process the punishment by creating these ridiculous lawsuits, by redefining terms to take things that are not legally firearms, call them firearms so we can treat them like firearms and make them more difficult to get. This is the process being the punishment. It's part of the reason why these rules like this need to be challenged. In fact, the states need to simply deny them. Sorry, this is not a law made by Congress. Therefore, it's not the Supreme Law of the Land. It means diddly squat in our state. A rule, look at the, the Supremacy Clause, Article 6, Clause 2 of the Constitution. A rule by a federal bureaucrat is not the Supreme Law of the Land. Even a law by Congress is not the supreme law of the land unless it's made pursuant to the Constitution. But this 
the, the, the process has become the punishment because we're not going to bother with the law. We're not going to bother with the Constitution. We're just going to make up stuff to make people's life miserable and force them to sue us in our own courts. Never forget that. A court is part of government. They're going to have to sue us in our own courts to prove that we're wrong, which is completely backwards. Government has the burden of proof, not the people. Let me say that again. Government has the burden to prove that what they're doing is legal and constitutional, not the other way around. We've lost that idea. We've lost that basic common understanding of the Constitution, and it has been to our tremendous deficit, to our, our demise, to the destruction of our rights. And it's about time we start learning a little bit more about this. Now, I have to take another break. And, and as I mentioned, I've added a, I'm adding a newsfeed function to the new Constitution Study website. Well, one of my sources for news is AmericaOutloud.news. I go there every day to gather information that I can share with you. Please do the same. Find, find what's going on. But more importantly, take what you find, the, the stories, the podcasts, the videos, the articles, share them. See, if you want to enjoy the blessings of liberty, we need to exercise them. That includes sharing information that helps people protect their own blessings of liberty. Well, the out loud truth was the rallying call that started it all. AmericaOutloud.news was an idea, a movement, a place where folks would feel comfortable speaking the truth without being censored or canceled. The First Amendment is alive and well. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution study. We're looking at the raw exercise of power, the process being the punishment. And uh, we've looked at a couple of examples at, at, uh, um, from gun issues to educational issues. But uh, just when you thought it was safe to walk around without a diaper on your face, mass mandates are coming back. See, that is the process being the punishment. We're going to tell you how to live your life. And even though we have no legal authority and you have every legal right to go tell some bureaucrat to stuff it where the sun doesn't shine, they're going to make you suffer. By They're going to fine you. They're going to try you. They're going to do all this stuff. All of this is a push to control you and to punish you by the process. Back on August 20th, Morris Brown College announced on an Instagram post that they are reinstating their COVID-19 mask mandates. Now, I'm not sure if Morris Brown College is a private institution or a public institution. And that is important, right? Because if this is a private institution, well, then they're just stupid. 
And anybody that's supporting them, anybody that believes in freedom and liberty and is supporting this stupidity, um, you're supporting tyranny. Now, what they're saying is that they've there have been infections among students in their Atlanta University Center. For this reason, all students and employees are mandated to wear face diapers for 14 days. And the students, by the way, are also supposed to observe physical distancing. Now, is there any evidence that masks have ever slowed the spread of a respiratory infection? The answer is no. Doesn't matter. See, it's a question of control. Now, I'm kind of curious what's driving the, the college to do this. Is it the CDC? Is it somebody else? I don't know. Or is it simply the fact that, hey, we've learned that we can intimidate people into doing what we want, especially if we just instituted, we call it a mask mandate. Now, they're not alone. Lionsgate, the, the, the movie studio in Hollywood, sent a memo asking their employees to wear masks after some of its workers were infected with COVID. Now, again, understand, COVID is not the deadly disease we were told. The death rate is what, less than, the, or it's a one-tenth of one percent? Somewhere between one-tenth and two-tenths. And that's all, that includes, by the way, the, the highly susceptible. If, you, if you're not over 65 or you don't have a pre-existing condition, it's less than one-tenth of one percent. But here we have a college and a movie studio saying, wear your mask. And the American people simply comply. Now, understand, the studies show that they must wear a mask. Now, what's interesting is Lionsgate went a little farther. They said that they must wear a medical-grade face covering, a surgical mask or an N95, KN95 or 95 when indoors, except when alone in an office with the door closed. Now, there is some evidence that a, a, an N95 or KN95, when properly fitted and worn, does decrease your chance of spreading COVID by a small amount. But rather than having people saying, you know what, if you are uh, at a risk factor, we recommend you wear a mask. We recommend you mend a KN95. And, and, and maybe they could come up with some policy, some program to help pay for those things. No, no, we're simply going to mandate people wear face diapers. Yeah, and if you look, and again, the CDC's own data shows, yes, only N95s and only when they're fitted properly have any significant impact on the spread of a respiratory virus. But you know what? Now we're starting to, to see uh, there's some people starting to push back. There's talks about people pushing back. And what's interesting is they're asking about the timing. Uh, it was a George Papadopoulos said on August 23rd in a post on Twitter, and just like that, the election variant emerges. Could that be? Could the new variant be nothing more than, hey, we need to get people under control so we can go back to uh, the mail-in ballots where it's easier to cheat? Could that possibly be it? Kansas Owen said on her, on her tweet, I see the election time variant of COVID is about to drop. Mail-in ballots to everyone. America is no, lo no longer has a free and fair elections. We are no different than third world countries in this regard. I would disagree with her to, on one point. Uh, I, I think claiming that that uh, third world countries uh, that 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 are as bad as us is an insult to third world countries, and there are more. There are public figures that are saying, "No, we are we are pushing. We are not going to to 
to uh, comply with this. But they bring up an interesting question. Is this variant simply the election variant? A way to scare people into, I can't go out and vote. I have to do a mail-in ballot, which we've already seen cheating. We saw it in 2020. We saw it in 2022. I know they disagree with it, but we've seen it. There's video of it. But we act like it never happened. And by using a scare tactic like uh, the the mass mandates and the release of a new variant, oh my God, there's a new variant out there, and um, uh, half a dozen people might die, so we have to mask up everybody. Biden's already talking about requiring a uh, people get you know, or, or a new vaccine and encouraging, recommending, which quickly becomes mandating, taking toxic chemicals into your body. Now, what is the data pushing all this? Well, according to the CDC, uh, the week ending August 12th, there were a total of 12,613 admissions, um, apparently for COVID-19. And this is, by the way, double uh, the week ending June 24th, which is 6,313. But you see, that's another example of uh, lies, darn lies, and statistics. Because that's still far below the uh, what we saw in, in 2022. August 13th, 2022, there were over 41,000 hospitalizations. And for the week ending August 14th, there were 77,000 hospitalizations. So what they're saying is the fact that we saw a uh, an increase to one-third of what we had the previous or back in 2022, now they want to implement all these mandates and shutdowns. But again, what about the infection rate? Well, again, we're talking about 1.7 infections per 100,000 people, a fraction of the 9.2 uh, infections per or um, yeah in hospitalizations per 100,000 people that we saw last year. But you see, there's an election coming up, which makes me wonder. Is this the election variant? It, I think there's um, uh, there, there's information for this. And again, we're going to see the government order, mandate, demand, intimidate people into complying with their illegal orders because if they don't, they'll be punished with the process, fines, uh, uh, court hearings, and, and the, 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 the cost of lawyers. Now, I want to shift gears, and, and this gets into an interesting question. I, I bring this up as much because it's the process of the punch, the the, the um, raw exercise of power, but because it, it it's an interesting question I want to answer. Now, many of you probably know that um, uh, the state of Texas, under Governor Abbott, deployed a buoy barrier in the Rio Grande River to help defend their border. And boy, I've had a lot of people pushing back. Hey, I can't do that. Excuse me. That is still a Texas border that they're dealing with. They have every right to enforce federal law and protect their borders at the same time. Now, this case is going to court because, once again, we have the process being the punishment. The, the, the Biden administration has refused, refused to, to fulfill their oath to, to uh, uh, enforce federal law. There's a federal law about how you enter this country, uh, that, which, by the way, is an interesting point because immigration is not legally a federal issue. Look at the Constitution. It's not a power delegated to the federal government. They've refused. They've been derelict in their duty. So what does Texas do? They say, well, that's our border as well. We will put up 
a barrier. We, we you know th- this. It's a bunch of buoys, and I guess there's netting beneath it, which makes it harder for people to simply swim across the open border. And um, now, rather than looking and saying, "Well, gee, we don't have to do our job to secure the border. We're going to sue Texas for doing our job for us." I'm not saying it's legally their job. I'm saying under the current understanding, misunderstanding of the Constitution, everyone believes this is a federal responsibility. Um, they do have a right. They do have the power to the, the, the responsibility to protect the states from invasion, which is a whole nother question. But they're not going to do it. The state does it. And rather than saying, hey, thank you for doing our job for us, they are going to they are suing the state of Texas. Now, here's the interesting thing. Isn't that the raw exercise of power? How dare you actually enforce federal law for us? How dare you, uh, Texas, uh, ignore our illegal actions or not not ignore illegal actions and do something? How about not let us do what we're not legally allowed to do? This is the process being used as punishment. Now, if there's one example, and I saved this for last for a reason, if there's an example of the process being the punishment, could it be anyone else on this earth besides Donald Trump? I mean, personally, I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. I think he's loud. I think he's obnoxious. Um, his 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 mouth gets him in trouble all the time. I don't think he 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 thinks things through. I I, I look at his policies. Some of them were good. Some of them were awful, illegal, unconstitutional. But what's been happening to him is the classic example of we will simply persecute you into submission. It it started in 2015. We saw through his entire four years of his administration, these you know lies being perpetrated. Um, the the uh, uh, the FBI Department of Justice um, basically running a an illegal criminal campaign against him. Uh, they didn't have any evidence. They simply made stuff up. They lied to get their quote-unquote evidence to do this. We saw members of Congress lying under oath in 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 his, in in in, uh, in uh, hearings. Nobody gets punished. He was impeached three times with no outcome. We, we, you know, we, for stuff that again is not illegal. It's not. It wasn't treason. It wasn't bribery. It wasn't anywhere near a high crime or even a misdemeanor. And then when he gets out, what happens? We see still under attack and still under attack. And now, as we approach another election season, what do we see? We start seeing these uh, indictments. Now, again, indictments mean, well, it's not that they mean nothing. They mean squat. An indictment merely means a prosecutor was able to get a a grand jury to issue the indictment. the statement is true, right? A a good prosecutor can get a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich. But the more we learn about these cases, all of these cases, the four indictments that are currently running, the more we see this is not about prosecuting a crime. It's about prosecuting an individual. And we're seeing the details coming out. A lot of this comes from uh, Jack Smith, the prosecutor who uh, was using uh, a, a secret grand jury in, in the District of Columbia, not exactly a bastion of, of uh, Trump lovers. Um, and it appears that that grand jury was derelict in their duty because they allowed Mr. Smith to conduct some 
well, they're calling on the questionable activities behind the scenes. Well, for example, the uh, whole classified documents investigation was run through D.C., not Southern Florida, which is the state and district where the crime was alleged to have happened. Hmm. Do you remember that pesky little Sixth Amendment? All criminal prosecutions, in all criminal prosecutions, the accused enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed. The crime was allegedly committed in South Florida, Mar-a-Lago. But yet the investigation and the grand jury was handled in D.C., which is also, I believe, where the case was supposed to, is supposed to be heard. But again, would a South Florida uh, jury maybe be a little less antagonistic to Trump? Would they be a little more impartial? That's an interesting question about impartiality. Would they be more MAGA, or would they be more anti-MAGA, or would they be more willing to listen to both sides of the story? And now, apparently, the judge in the case, Judge Cannon, uh, directed the Department of Justice to address the legal propriety of using an out-of-state grand jury proceeding to continue to investigate and or to seek post-indictment hearings on matters pertinent to the instant indictment, uh, in, the instant incident matter in the district. Um, I'm sorry, the instant incident. Basically, the a judge has come in and slapped uh, uh, Mr. Smith. Now he's going to have to defend himself. But again, what is the purpose of this? Could it be that the purpose of this is to so tie up Mr. Trump in legal battles that he doesn't have time to campaign? Well, that hasn't worked very well. Is it to tarnish his reputation so that he wouldn't win in a general election or even maybe the, the, the primaries? That might be a possibility. As I've heard uh, Alan Dershowitz describe, these charges are easy to win but are often overturned on appeal. Could that be it? Could it simply be to give Democrats talking points Joe Biden or whoever the eventual Democratic nominee is to give them talking points against Mr. Trump. See, he's a convicted felon. Yeah, he's being overturned on appeal, but that appeal is going to happen well after the case. And why are the dates, why is it that these, these indictments always seem to come right after some news drops about a Biden family member? Is this actually the process being used? And this is where I think uh, you know, Candace Owen has a point. This looks an awful lot like a third world, uh, in fact, again, a third world country. It actually looks worse than what you would expect in a third world country, which really says a lot for how far the United States has fallen. We, you know, how, how can you claim to have the rule of law when someone can be prosecuted simply for um, exercising their rights, where someone can be prosecuted because they are a political opponent? And I would go so far as to even say persecuted for being a political opponent. Is that really the state we have fallen to? That we allow this raw exercise of power, and those who are doing so, they're not punished. They're not held accountable. Yes, we have a few people pushing back against mass mandates. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not enough. The American people need to stand up and say, no, we are not a third world country led by a Timpak dictator. We are the land of the free and the home of the brave, and we will only be the land of the free as long as we are the home of the brave. The United States isn't some magic metal 
that makes us free. It's when we the people do our job to make sure we remain free, to stand against the exercise of power, not simply individually, but in groups, in mass, to stand up and say no. Now you can hear the Constitution study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. If you can't listen then, follow the podcast. You can listen on your favorite podcast app. The episodes come a day or two after they're heard on the radio. But do me a favor, subscribe to the show. It helps people find the Constitution study. You can find all the links you need at the homepage of AmericaOutloud.com. But if we want America to be free, we must share the blessings of liberty. And to do that, we must share this information, including those links, including the, the your thoughts and opinions, and including the truth, even when it's not politically correct.